0: Sangram here. Welcome, go-to-market leaders. Have you heard about inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in from marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know inbound, inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot, and I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket. You are in right in place. I have a code for you. It's called future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code future CMO It is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Sangram here. Hey folks, uh, it's been a, it's been a hot minute since I've actually done a live. So thank you for, uh, for folks who are joining in. I'm going to give everybody a minute, um, as they join in. So today, I'm really excited to have Jen and Amber. They're the one we're going to interview. They are ABME award winners. Um, Amber won multiple awards in the last two years. Jen is the ABM innovator of the year. So we're going to get insights into how they're doing things and then, We have, just just giving everybody a quick uh, sneak peek, if you will, what's coming up, we have some really incredible speakers for next year already signed up. So Deanna, uh, she's the CEO of Televerde. They literally hire women who are incarcerated, and they have given second chances to them, over 200,000 of them. And it's actually a business model where they give this woman a chance to be in marketing and sales as a respected professional. And that to me was just fascinating. Is like, how do you CMO, what do you do? And also, how do, you, how do you think about the second life? What is the business model? So we're going we're gonna to have a conversation with Deanna. Uh, we are also, in January 6th, this will be the first one, as we do in 2021, uh, April Dunford. She wrote a book, obviously awesome, all about product positioning, uh, how to nail uh, product positioning. So I think every marketer, if you're listening to this, this is super important for, for you. So Amber, Jen, welcome to football Funnel live stream.
1: How are you? Great, that was a great video. I like watching
0: Seriously, like somebody just created that and 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 the reason I play that, obviously, I sort of like, it's obnoxious to watch yourself in a video in front of you, uh, but it's because it takes a minute for people to get live in, streamed in, and I don't want people to miss any of the conversation we have. So it gets people going. So uh, I just, again, I want to make sure that people see it. So. I want to, again, welcome both of you. For folks who don't know, Amber and Jen, let me now embarrass you a little <laughs> bit uh, with this. So Amber, I'll start with you. Amber is the ABM manager at DeGreed. Uh, she's an ABME winner uh, in 2020 for best one team. Uh, I think you have your hardware with you uh, around that. She's, uh, there you go, looking great. A- and she's also, she, you also won another award at Connix for the best ABM program. Uh, of the year award. Uh, you've done, and I was just looking at your LinkedIn as well, Amber, and you being in the B community as you run a lot of different things, you have done, you have created significant pipe for your organization. And one of the questions I get all the time is that, is this real? Is this chill pipe being created? Are people just saying demand gen to ABM and just taking that number from there to here? So we're going to dive into those specific metrics and you can share some of those campaigns you're running. So thank you so much for joining. Um, And I also have Jen, Jen Lever, she's a Senior Marketing Manager uh, for Demand Generation Global ABM for Bizarre Voice, and she won the Innovator of the Year Award. So Jen, again, super excited for both of you joining in and sharing your wisdom. Um, I'm super excited to dive into a few things. So first of all, as you think about it, I'll start, Amber and Jen, just jump in as you want. Just share how you define ABM for the people who are like, you know what? I've been doing it for forever, or somebody's like, "I have no idea what it means." So, just share what how you define ABM to begin with.
1: Um, so, I mean, the way that I define ABM really is just, just at um, sorry, there's a little echo there. Uh, just looking at your accounts with a different lens, um, selecting your target accounts, and focusing on the right accounts. I like to explain it to anyone and everyone that it's not this starkly different idea of marketing. It's not the starkly different idea of sales. It is simply uh, shining a flashlight in the dark um, when it comes to your accounts, focusing on the right accounts and utilizing data engagement and alignment within your sales team in order to show success. I love that.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with Amber there. I think, I think one thing that I do try to drive home within my organization is that ABM is not separate from what the rest of the demand gen team is doing. It's an extension of the team. And like Amber mentioned, it is just looking at our target accounts in a much more fine tuned lens. Um, and then making sure that you have that orchestrated collaboration between marketing and sales because, um, and even your CS teams, to be honest, um, because it takes a village really to, to drive engagement and build those relationships within those target accounts. And it's not just a one and done um, strategy or campaign that you put in market and, and, and wait to see results. It's it's an ongoing evolution of of how we really tap in and engage with our target accounts. So, yeah,
0: I, I love that. Let me just pull a poll up here uh, real quick. Sorry, it will be over your face, but that's just for a fraction of a second. I want people to to just digest it and I want to get both of your perspective on it. So in my broken English, I asked this question like, all right, what is the number one reason your ABM program fails in your organization? And this was like a, a, a couple of weeks ago. So this was like literally day one and there were 137. I think there were over 500 people who voted on that at, at the end of the second or third day. So, but the number of the percentages being change, didn't change. So I just kept the same screenshot. Uh, and you can see here the marketing and sales not align as the number one reason why people are saying their abm program fails and i wanted to start there and 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 people in the community right now i see a whole bunch of people commenting uh, and the thread is just moving just share if you agree or not just say amen or not like just would love to hear that uh, but jen and amber like just help us recognize that is that because marketing and sales alignment that's a topic that has been out of boredom, like people have talked about it at nauseam for the last couple of decades since marketing and sales actually started to work together. But we're still saying there is the number one reason it fails. Do you agree or disagree? And give your thoughts on it.
1: hundred uh, percent agree. Um, and I also could, you know, just looking back at that, that pulse uh, is, you can almost argue that the lack of marketing and sales alignment is a reason for the rest of those failures as well. With, right. Scaling, um, starting too big, or leadership alignment. Because if you don't have marketing and sales alignment, the rest of those things can have a triple down effect and fail. Or if you start too big, you're saying like, "Oh, we started too big. We took on too much too soon." But why was it? Because you weren't aligned with your marketing and sales team. Like they all can be rooted back to that. Um, so yeah, 100% believe that's the case, and have you know experienced the struggle in several different organizations. Um, It's something that I am super passionate about um, more, more so today than ever, just because that's where I believe I found the success was through solving that problem. And so I can definitely talk more on, you know, what I've done um, to improve, you know, the the marketing sales line and why I feel at my current organization, we have done a very stellar job of, of aligning the teams.
2: Yeah, I, I second everything that Amber just mentioned. I think that having that that alignment between sales and marketing is essential. Um, it does have a trickle effect into those other areas if if that alignment isn't there. I think what's also important beyond alignment is just making sure, just like we talk, how we tailor our messaging to personas or to certain solutions that we're trying to, to serve up to our target account. I think that we also need to look inside our organization of how we communicate ABM and the success of ABM and what everybody's seat at the the table means um, in a language that makes sense to them. So the way that you talk about ABM or or try to get um, your sales team on board with these activities is going to be very different from the conversations you have with your C-suite or your board. So I think that understanding your audience, making sure that they have a seat at the table and they feel valued... Um, and they feel like they're a part of that program, I think, is another really critical element to success um, when you're trying to align those two teams. All
0: right. So give both of you just share a little bit about your company, the size of your company, the, the size of your team. And then I I want to get more specifically on examples that you can share of how you're scaling an ABM program. There are a lot of questions I'm already seeing coming up from Dasser, Sean, and Amin and William. and So, so dropping your questions, I'm, I'm keeping account of those and I'll bro- drop those questions in. But uh, starting with you, Jen, just share the size of your company, the size of your team, the type of campaigns you're running, and then we'll get into a specific example that each one of you can share to give people an idea of what a real state-of-the-art ABM program really looks like
2: sure. Um, so bizarre voice as a whole I think we have around 1,400 people globally um, across multiple countries We have um, on our marketing team um, I would I want to say around 25 to 30 folks and that includes our demand Gen team content design uh, website, Um, and then, um, within our demand gen team, um, we are a powerful group of five (laughs) in, um, in addition to our fearless leader, our director of demand gen, um, who, I mean, I definitely couldn't have done anything without, without that team and their support. So, um, huge shout out to all of them. Um, and in terms of the, the programs that we're currently running, so we'll get into more of like the strategy and, and how we kind of built what ABM means at Bizarre Voice, but, um, We we started with very much of a a walk or crawl walk run approach, um, and started with uh, more of like a one to many approach to just really show very high level what sort of results we can see when we do start to get more tailored and personalized with our outreach um, within our target accounts through marketing, Um, and then from there we're starting to scale into more of a one to few approach and a one to one approach with some of our. high profile enterprise accounts. So um, definitely, you know, starting off small, proving success, getting people on board, um, having them really understand and kind of re-educate a lot of people about what AVM means and what that team collaborative effort looks like um, before we got into more of that one-to-one approach where we're putting all of our eggs in one basket and really, you know, driving home our our AVM strategy. So that's, that's kind of where we're at at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and what's the size of your your marketing team, and within that, like size of your ABM team, if if there is an ABM team?
2: So I am the ABM team, <laughs> and um, our marketing team, like I said, I think there's about twenty five to thirty of us, including content design, and then on demand gen. Out of the five of us, we've got one person that specializes in events, one that handles our co marketing um, efforts. Uh, we've got another person that handles all of our digital marketing efforts for DemandGen outside of what we're doing on the ABM front. Um, and then we recently brought on an amazing email marketer as well. So um, the five of us really are the DemandGen engine within uh, Bizarre Voice. And then when it comes to ABM, um, it, is, it is yours truly. <laughs>
0: all right, number.
1: Um, so I work for an organization that is around five hundred uh, employees and growing now degree uh, and so the sales force of our organization is around a hundred around a hundred or so salespeople uh, the marketing team we have a pretty decent sized marketing team for the size of the organization. we're over a little over thirty now um, on the marketing organization. And the ABM team is now up to three. So that's been an incredible, life changing overnight, like changes so much um, to have the team grow. Um, it's allowed us to grow and scale the program and the support tremendously. Um, and so I've started about uh just over a year ago. Um, and we started um I was brought on after a failed ABM failed pilot approach. So the, the company and team was bought into ABM and wanting to invest in, you know, like, how do we do this? Let's bring on someone who has expertise and experience. So that was kind of my story and and, and how I got brought in. Uh, and so we started with the idea of um, doing one-to-one, two, one, two, many one-to-few campaigns um, as we were building on the tech, bringing on the tech, building out, kind of optimizing the account list. Um, and then a couple months in, I, I'd say the strategy became more focused in what I call a dual-pronged approach. And that's how I've been running the strategy really for the last, um, for the last year. And, and the way that I describe that is with a massive sales force, And the challenges of scaling ABM, doing two things at once, Uh, educating and enabling the sales team and giving them the tools that they need to understand ABM and run from an ABM perspective on the rest of their, their target accounts while we focus on specific campaigns, smaller groups of sets of accounts, we're not leaving anyone in in the dark, so to speak, when you're running kind of like a smaller pilot. And the methodology or belief behind that was that I knew that we were going to gain success. I knew that we were going to grow. And I wanted us to be in a position on the sales side that they could jump in and see value before we got to them. And that has proven to be um, very impactful for us. And it's, I'm like a super strong believer and in running this way um, because of how I feel like we have seen so much success and buy-in that, I mean, it's like you You wish and dream for a day that your sales is begging you for account like attention and one to one experiences, and that's where we are so much that we're you know evaluating how do we scale our one to one How do we scale our one to one support? So we're working on that. Um, so the campaigns that we started with, so a dual pronged approach um, we did start one to once a few, and then um, small you know world thing happened where. Uh, you know, things, things were canceled. Uh, people weren't at, were at home. We, I foresaw that as a, this is going to blow up ABM. How do we prepare for it? And how do we shift our strategy to be able to like support it? So I tripled the amount of accounts in that campaign. So it came much, much bigger and it ended up being the catalyst to success for, um, for, for ABM within degree. Um, we saw significant success with that campaign. So, kind of fast forwarding, um, we are now still managing one to one to few campaigns um, based on product lines, and then now that the team has grown, we are doing one to one, five one to one campaigns a quarter to do kind of acceleration of the deals, pushing through the sales cycle, um, and we also that means that we also have an entire person whose role is dedicated to ensuring that the sales team is updated has. All of the active kind of account activities happening on a regular basis isn't struggling, doesn't have any kind of issues with what's going on. They're, they're getting what they need. So, so that's about where we're at now.
0: So, so first, let me just give a shout out to a couple of people and um, and bring some of this conversation. So uh, our speakers, well, Michael McCune, uh CMO for Revenue Analytics is here uh Daryl is here, as always, making fun of me wearing a vest uh, mm-hmm. in the last in Canada. Thank you so much, Daryl, for that beautiful uh, uh, comment over there. Uh, but he obviously is making a lot of the points, uh, which is one too many, but one to fear. So I want people to drop in the comments. How many ABM programs are they running right now? Are they running one ABM program? Are they running 10? Are they running 50? Are they running different type, like just, just drop in the number of ABM programs uh, you're running. And we, because I'm going to have specific questions based on what you just shared, because I can see Amber already counting over there. Yeah. Um, and and then, again, Just let me well, welcome Vanessa over here. I see Kara over here. Tons of amazing Sean is here. Um, and here is uh, Martin is over here. You, you both can see all the chat as well. So talk to talk to me about how many programs each one of you are running. That are ABM, like strictly ABM. Yep.
1: Um, Uh, I'm gonna start, Amber. Sure. Um, uh, We've got, uh, I'd say, we've got three. At one point, we were up to five. um, Once a few, uh, once a few campaigns. Some of them. The
0: few. How many are in the few?
1: Um, About fifty each is how we're doing what um, based on how we can support the sales team. So that's how we kind of define um, well, our one to view is, is what can we support in terms of making sure people are updated and engaged in managing kind of the sales support side. We end up adding more accounts after the fact because sales comes and asks for more. And my agreement to them is, if you manage, if you're committed, like, you know, then we'll add more, but the, the baseline is 50s. So we end up allowing them to run, run to more.
0: Is it 50 um, for a rep or is it 50 for, because you have a hundred okay, people.
1: 50 total. Yeah. Okay.
0: 50 total. Okay. Yeah. So five, five, one to few campaigns.
1: And then five, one to one on top of that, um, is, so I'd say about 10 and things are ending and adding, but we've reached this uh, with my team of three um, that, that, that feels manageable.
0: Gotcha. I see Brian Harris saying one, Daryl five, Sean one. Uh, so most of them are one crawling into one, Mudassar is saying, uh, Charles saying one, uh, two, one in acquisition, one in expansion, uh, which is something that I see a lot more lately is people having literally two or three campaigns in acquisition, and literally five campaigns in velocity pipeline specifically on pipeline and then now having more and more campaigns in expansion so i'm seeing a a trend moving in like fewer on demand gen because it's more specific it's long term and it's bigger deal size but uh but more and more on the known commodities if you will known companies in the pipeline that you know somebody's gonna close either you or your competitors so go all in on those so i'm seeing more specific campaigns running in Pop and stuff. So, but Jen, what's your, what's your, how's your, how are you organized?
2: So I would say um, on the one to many front, we have, um, I would say about six different campaigns um, that we have running um, that uh, three of each or three within those, um, one focuses on the enterprise side of our business and the other focuses on SMB because the way that we, speak to those different segments is is um, very different so we want to make sure that we're tailoring that journey specifically to kind of the needs of, of the size of the companies that we're trying to speak to um, and those are stage based so based on where they are in the buyer journey we're um, serving up specific content that speaks to either the opportunities that they're currently in um, or um, based on the the types of solutions that we're wanting to kind of serve up to to those companies um, and then on the one to a few front, um, we're doing something very similar to kind of what Amber's doing, where it's a little bit more product focus. Our um, audience size is around 50 accounts within each of those. Um, right. so we've got one that's product focused, and then we have a retention play that we currently have going on. Um, and then um, periodically throughout the quarter, we also run um, very small opportunity acceleration campaigns um, to help kind of push deals along um, that have been created within the quarter to get them to close um, by the end of the quarter. Um, and then in terms of our one-to-one approach, um, we're currently working on what that framework looks like and what our first initial strategy looks like for one of our um, large enterprise accounts. So that is still very much in the early planning stages um, in terms of a one-to-one approach at Bizarre Voice. Um, so we are, we are getting there, definitely. But like I mentioned earlier, we wanted to start small and then start to scale so we could prove the success, get people on board with it first um, and really try to 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 reframe the the story behind what ABM means uh, within our organization.
0: All right. So I'm about to start getting questions from the folks. I'm seeing Christina's questions, Medeser questions, but I'm holding off for one more question that I want to ask. That I saw in the polls uh, originally when I promoted this event, and people wanted to know a specific campaign. You just walk them in like 60 seconds a specific campaign that you ran that had great results for you. So you start with the results, like what kind of results you had in it, and then just share like to get those results. Here's the campaign we ran. what time frame it was, here are the tactics you used. Um, yeah, and then we can dive deeper in it uh, as questions come in. And everybody else, drop in your questions now because I'm literally going to pull your question right to two of the best ABMers that you can possibly find in the plan. Like they both are award winners. Uh, they have companies. That it's not like, they have hundred people reporting into them. Like, as Jen said, she is all, she is the ABM person. Amber has just scaled her team to three people on it, Uh, but they have big organizations and teams that they're supporting and they've changed the way these organizations are seeing success. So if you have questions, this is the moment, like just drop in your questions and I'm going to start pulling in. But but Amber, let's start with you and just share in 60 seconds or so a a campaign starting with the results and all the different tactics you had in it.
1: Um, okay. So results of a recent campaign were, uh, 4 million and pipeline created. Um, we had 19 opportunities, 50 meetings, and we, we booked meetings with about one third of the entire, uh, kind of audience that we went after. Okay. Uh, Which is crazy, but we'll be kind of brought into that in a second. Um, so really quick, um, we went through we went through LinkedIn, we went through terminus display ads, uh, emails, sixter banners, created Uberflip uh, landing page, all driving to there. So tactics to include. Um, and in addition, you know, sales outreach with with sales outreach templates. Um But uh, you know, what we did was with this specific campaign was we created a choose your own adventure um and we allowed everybody to Drive into a landing page that had three different, you know, several different uh, interests and solutions that they could self select. And what we did from there was we utilized intent data and actions based on how they interacted with the the page uh, anywhere on our website. And then we moved them through a campaign uh, phase where they would then go to a very specific page that uh, allowed uh, for them to see the content intent that they were engaging in. And then further down, uh, more of a one-to-one experience. So I'm wow. obsessed with the phase campaign approach, which everybody who's debating on one to few, one-to-many, one-to-one, what do you do? How do you do it? Where do you go? Um, you can start and you can move through. I mean, it's great. You can use the information, the engagement, and build towards a one-to-one by letting the accounts identify themselves along the way. And the sales rep engaging, grabbing more information. I mean, I'm a fan.
0: Wow that's and what was the timeline for that uh for that campaign
1: so the t- the campaign ran for several months yep. um we were still getting meetings after the campaign was turned off after six months so the 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 campaign probably ran for about four months total, and we still up until we finally was like okay, we're gonna cut the measurement on this campaign because we just can't do this forever. Um, but we've, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, um, so six months, you know, of, of start to end, um, we ran ads and, and outreach for about four months um, and uh, saw, still saw impact after six.
0: I love that. And I'm, I want to get to Daryl's so and Michael had specific questions. I want to get to that in a second, Jen. Um, what was your results in a campaign that you are proud of So you want to share with the world?
2: Yeah, um, so one that we recently just did um, was a direct mail campaign. So one of the um, services that Bizarre Voice offers is for brands to um, leverage our sampling program um, and tap into the influencer network to generate ratings and reviews and user-generated content they can feature on their website. And so within that sampling program, they can create um, custom sampling boxes um, that they can send to like a target audience of influencers to generate that user-generated content. And so what we wanted to do is give them kind of a glimpse of what their customers experience when they receive a custom box from their brand. So um, we sent out um, around 300 boxes um, to um, target brands that we had identified with our sales team. Um, there was a coordinated um, sales follow-up effort and outreach effort that, that ran alongside that campaign. Um, and I would say like the campaign as a whole um, probably cost around fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for us to create these like custom direct mail boxes. Um, another point that I also wanted to point out was that um, when we first got into kind of like what the pandemic was going to look like and, and how that was going to affect our campaigns. We were like, should we do direct mail? Is it going to work? Is it, you know, is are we going to be able to actually get these boxes to people um, to their personal addresses or wherever they may be working at this point? Um, The turnout was absolutely phenomenal. My inbox was blowing up every other day from our sales team like, oh my gosh, we got another meeting. Oh my gosh, we got past this gatekeeper. So it was just like a really awesome opportunity to get through to some of these target accounts that we hadn't um, had a lot of traction with before. Um, as of, I think last week we had, um, nine open opportunities and around $720,000 in pipe. So, um, when you look at the cost of the campaign and, and, and the results that it brought in, I mean, it, it more than paid for itself and it created opportunities that we had since had challenges with, um, you know, previously before running that. So, um, yeah, awesome experience. Direct meal is not dead in a pandemic, and um, yeah, I we're we're actually launching another one in um, early January because we had so much success. So uh,
0: that's that is fantastic, and I think uh, Amy just put in there. Like both Jen and Amber run uh, in the B community. They run a circle, which is literally every other week. You guys, you both do jam sessions to help people think through ABM programs. So if anybody's interested, just click on that. Uh, let me just bring in Rosa's question Rosa he's the CMO of Dow Jones so really interesting and he's literally saying, well, what is your marketing and sales stack and this is some this is an important point in general this is not a marketing only stack or a program ABM is not a marketing program so I love the fact that he's literally said marketing and sales stack because I have not seen a single company be successful without having that combination work together so, Give it away, who 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 are you using for your direct mail, you're using for all these things. So Jen, you just kicked off like all that stuff. Why don't you just share your text stack?
2: Yeah, so um, in a nutshell, what I typically use on the ABM side is uh, Terminus, first and foremost, to run all of our um, display and targeted LinkedIn advertising. Um, we also use uh, Drift. Uh, we use Pathfactory for content experiences, um, Marketo. Um, and then on the direct mail side, we work with a local vendor here um, called Boundless. Um, so it's not an automated system like a Sendoso or a ReachDesk, um, but you know, we've, we've managed to make it work. Um, and then we've also used um, like e-gifting services through um, a provider called Ribbon. Um, and then on the sales side, obviously, we leverage Salesforce. Um, our sales team also uses SalesLoft, um, LinkedIn Navigator, um, and Zoom info, I think, are are kind of what the sales team typically typically use on an on an ongoing basis. If anybody captured that, just drop that in the
0: comments. At mention all those companies or people you know, because again, that's that's a great uh, tech stack. So one thing and before we get to Amber, I have seen companies drop in the number of tech they need to do ABM. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'll just be curious to to get because a lot of people think that you need more tech to do more ABM. And I've just seen that I've just found that late, lately it's more and more like I need less of the tech. I need more of the strategy. I need more of the process to work. And I'm just curious as Amber, as you share your tech stack, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so when I actually list out all the tech we use, like it's expansive, right? It goes across my team, the entire marketing team, the sales organization, like revenue operations, like the entire you know company, right? But in terms of what did I bring on and what did I not see, you know, myself not using, it comes down to like the three things like engagement, uh, display advertising and your content, you know, your content um, landing experience. So I brought on terminus for display ads. We fortunately had engage you um, now demand base for engagement and then Uber flip. Those were my kind of like must, must haves. Um, In addition to that, the, you know, we have a pretty robust tech stack at the organization. We, of course, have our marketing automation platform, um, HubSpot. We have CRM, you know, have to, Salesforce, single source of truth, like the only place in the world that salespeople will go. Um, and we use Sendoso for uh, direct mail efforts. Again, that is heavily utilized in the organization not an ABM thing, we can utilize it to support our efforts. Um using Data Fox for you know data integrity. Um Sendoso I said Sendoso Sigster, also Sigster, um which mm-hmm. that part of terminus So all rolled in together.
0: Roll in. All right. Well let me drop in now. This is where I just roll in questions and we're gonna ask answer as many questions as we can in the next 15, 20 minutes. So because this is this is the part where like these both Jen and Amber, you are super gracious to give you time and just openly share what's working and what's not working. Because I think that's that's something that we if you don't get through questions, I'll end with like, well, what did not work for you? What where do you see problems? Because the success is great, but that didn't come day one. Um, I share this at Terminus as a founder uh, that the first three times when we did ABM, we failed every like the all for three times we miserably failed so i'm happy to share that story in the end if you don't get to that question but here's christina's question what data do you use to determine where your customers or future customers are in the buyer's journey
2: yeah i mean uh for for us um engagement data and intent data is huge not only for us to be able to scale our marketing programs and really make sure that we're offering up those personalized experiences based on where they are in the buyer journey. Um, but having that kind of inside look into those behaviors that those accounts are are um, surfacing earlier on um, is really, really helped us um, get get a seat at the table. Um, When they're showing interest, so we're one of the first um, to start conversations with these target accounts. Um, And that also translates over to how we enable our sales team as well Um, through that intent and that engagement data that that we're able to serve up to them through Salesforce. Like Amber mentioned, it is the single source of truth. Um, And we, um, since providing that that kind of like intel that they can use in their back pocket, um, I mean, the sales team is eating it up. Um, and they, you know, if I send out the weekly intent report and somebody's not included on it, I immediately get a Slack message. Hey, uh, can we forward it along <laughs> to this person? They really, really need it. So um, I think just having that kind of inside look has been um, gold, not only from a marketing standpoint and an ABI standpoint, um, but being able to leverage that intent and engagement data to enable our sales team has been huge. Right, that's,
0: that's awesome. All right. I'm going to drop in. Uh, and just pick whoever wants to jump on these questions. Medesser, who's also in the emerging CMO group, uh, in peak, uh, he just did a Friday session, I think two weeks ago, on what content he used to drive his business. So it was really good. He's a courageous uh, dude. So I love him. Uh, he said, "Where do you find your ABM is more effective, acquisition or pipeline velocity?" That's a tricky question uh, okay. because we talked about that before we started to record. So I wanted to bring that up because. We may not have the perfect answer, but it's an important question that I think many ABMers are are getting. Is like, well, what do you start? It's it, that's another way to to ask maybe the same question is like, do I start with my acquisition programs where I don't know if they're gonna buy immediately or six months from now? I don't have all the data, I don't know if they're in the market, or do I start with pipeline velocity? But but curious to get either of your thoughts.
1: Um well I feel like it opens up more conversation as well. Because I'm also i also focusing on both at the same time with the different campaigns. So the one-to-few are um, creating uh, acquisition, you know, creating pipeline early, not new. And then the one-to-ones are focused on that pipeline velocity and pushing them over. Um, so that's how I'm utilizing campaigns to support those. And, um, you know, we more or less, you know, more recently started our heavy efforts on on one-to-one. So I I would have to say that so far where I've seen more success has been um, in acquisition, but I fully anticipate in the next quarter, two quarters, to perhaps have a change in perspective um, because of, you know, seeing deals closed. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I I think I would just add to that is that, if I were to say, when I share with people strategies on where they're saying, I'm going to start with ABM, where do I start? I've always told them to start with pipeline. And the reason I say that uh, every day is because if you if you know that those accounts are in the market to buy from you or your competitors, you should be all over it. That's the easiest way to get your sales team buy-in. And both of you talk about how important that is. We know that's the number one reason why ABM program doesn't work. It's not yeah. because your campaign. Mm-hmm good it's it's that you didn't you didn't get the buy-in from them
1: well and to add on to that like where to start too, like starting with net new that's where you're going to get the sales buy-in and attention to mm-hmm. because until they are believers in abm mm-hmm. they're going to say oh no, no no i already have that opportunity no no no, no I, i'm already working that. like i need you to help me get this one this this big whale. um so in terms of starting points too going back to that you know necessary sales and marketing um alignment the pipeline creation that new is generally a better place to start for that reason as well
0: i love that okay when yep. is Vanessa, she's saying that well she uh, she supports her enterprise business running uh our abm so jen maybe this is more like in your you're you're the sole <laughs> runner. it starts and ends with with you um, so she'd love to gain more understanding. How do you do it? How do you pilot it? Uh, it's daunting and, and looking for advice on any playbook that you might have.
2: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And a very similar situation to what I experienced when I first came on board at, at Bizarre voice, they had done ABM in the past, but it was very ad hoc. They didn't have, um, really, even outside of Marketo, the, the technology to really, um, scale ABM and, um, automate it a little bit more. So it was a very manual process. Um, And like I mentioned, it was very ad hoc. So it was like, oh, we've got a new product. Let's do ABM for these 20 accounts. Um, And so the sales team had a really kind of bad taste initially about what ABM actually was. So when I came on board, um, we brought on Terminus and I leveraged the information and the insights that Terminus gave me through the intent data and engagement data Um, and ran a small pilot program with our sales team. So we picked about six people from our enterprise team, six people from our SMB team, and it it comprised of our AEs, ADs, SDRs, and a few um, CS reps. So we had a really awesome mix of folks from from various different roles. And um, we ran the program for about eight to 12 weeks, um, serving up intent data. They got early exclusive access to Those views that you have in Salesforce, they got exclusive access to those weekly sales alert emails, um, that intent report that I would pull for them each week. Um, And we worked together to really kind of work out the kinks, um, understand what the best way was to serve up that information and that data. um, And then figure out like what for, for each role specifically, what sort of playbook should we have in place to really speak to what their day to day looks like and how to bake in. Intent and engagement data into kind of their, their daily cadence, and so um, so from that we've uh, we've started to focus primarily on enabling this um, the SDR team with playbooks because um, they are the ones that are on the front lines, and then continue, continuing to find ways to engage with our AEs and ADS um, in terms of you know how they can leverage the intent data to find new opportunities, understand if accounts are at risk for churn. Um, And then from a marketing perspective, how we start to scale our ABM programs and really kind of further qualify our target accounts by layering in intent Mm -hmm. and engagement data to make Mm -hmm. sure that we're not only targeting the the accounts that mean the most from a sales lens, but also those earlier buying signals and those earlier hand raises to make sure that we're putting the biggest bang for a buck out there to get
1: in front of those folks. So
0: I, I think the last point is super important. I hope people don't miss it and, and hope people just follow Jen and Amber. They both are on LinkedIn, um, obviously, and, and they put, share a ton of great content. So something for people to do, not miss out. But this lends to this question that I'm to ask a few minutes ago. So I went back to scroll back because this is important. What are some telltale signs that you're doing or well, whatever you're doing isn't working? And needs to be adjusted. This is the part I think a lot of people are like, I just don't know how to measure ABM. Am I doing, this? is it the same as demand gen, or are there different metrics, or w- w- what's the line in between all of these things? So I think it's a really relevant question. Probably most people struggle with this more, and it's very eloquently put by Michael. So, love to get your thoughts. Like, how do you know it's working or it's not working?
1: Uh... In terms of like answering two directions, uh, not working internally is lack of any engagement from your sales reps, like lack of any effort, any responses, any buy-in, and and for that the the you know the solution is you know to focus on the people that are engaged, um, the salespeople that are engaged, and and literally just focus on them because they will sell the story for you and. You know, if you don't have any of that, then, you know, working on a sales enablement plan to educate them because the education is what allows for the buy in. Um, and that could be like an entire separate conversation on like how to set up a sales enablement plan for your ABM. I could talk about that for days. But um, on the success and metrics side, um, I mean, where are we looking for uh, to determine success? I mean, the first the first signal is going to be your engagement. Like, without question, where are they? And, you know, are you looking at all ABM accounts? Are you looking at just a campaign? But looking at that engagement uh, funnel, uh, where were they when you started your ABM program? Where were they in the funnel? And most most of the programs that I've started, um, you have a significant amount that are aware and then, you know, a significant amount that are unaware. And then, you know, kind of the lesser, um, smaller sections on the bottom. And then three, six months down the road, have they moved forward? from unaware to aware and have aware move down to opportunity. You know, So it's like measuring that, looking at a picture of where they were before and after. One thing that we did recently was um, look at the engagement a year ago from our target accounts, mm-hmm. where it was at a year ago, um, web traffic um, and uh, opportunity size. And so the engagement was three times as what it was the year before. Um two point eight um higher uh the opportunity size is three x um than prior uh, and then the it engagement opportunity what was the last one
0: yeah right well, I think it it's important, amber, I think something that you mentioned about is, is it goes back to like if your sales hasn't bought into this, it's just not gonna work. I think that's really what I'm gathering from from the biggest takeaway for me so far. Um, and that supports the poll that supports and it, it may be surprise and shock to a lot of people as marketers is like, well, I got a great cool campaign, I got a great webinar program, I got a great ebook or great ads, whatnot. Uh, but if your sales, the engagement on the sales team is not there, then it's just not gonna move the needle. So I, I'm glad I'm glad you share that. This drives into this question that Peter just asked, which is what measurements are you using to evaluate your ABM success? So So when you report, like they say, here's another way that I think about is in my back marketing automation days, I never reported anything to the CMO or when I was a CMO to the CEO and the board around number of open rates or click-through rates. That was never the case, right? And those were, so it was hard. Even though we use it, there was nothing to report on for what we were using it because nobody cared about how many people open an email. Yeah. With ABM, it's different. So share how, what metrics, like specifically, maybe the top three metrics or top two metrics that you share with your CMO or your CMO needs to share with the board or the CEO around the fact that ABM is working or not.
1: Um, so I'd say, I mean, yes, no clicks, no opens. Engagement is, is more of a, the compass, as you will, um, direction of, you know, what what's working and working. Yeah. Kind of a, a read on it. Um, so I, I do include engagement because I do think that it is important to see like here's the impact of how much engagement there is. Um, but really it comes down to meetings opportunity pipeline. And a lot of the one of my favorites to run is to share what's the representation of ABM pipeline against the total sales quarterly goal and that has increased over time, each quarter. And that is, like, hello, it's working.
2: Yeah, we uh, we work with a, a similar format at Bizarre Voice too. And, and it's interesting that this this continues to come up because I think that the way that you report on ABM is ever evolving. and I don't think that anybody has that like set framework or that set answer, like this is what, you know, you should be reporting on an ABM. So I know this is a discussion that comes up a lot in our peak community um, and with other ABM practitioners that we talk to. Um, for us um, specifically, we look for engagement. So overall, like not only on sales engagement, but how are they further engaging with our website? Are they engaging with our the content experiences that we're serving up to them or the campaigns that we're serving up to them? Um, and then what does that impact look like on our business outcomes? So like Amber mentioned, um, opportunities being created, what does that pipeline look like between the accounts that are receiving impressions or interactive campaigns versus ones that aren't? Um, and then how does that translate further down the funnel to um, average deal size um, win rate percentage, overall revenue. Um, so I think it, it kind of varies. And I think that there are multiple different lenses that we try to pull in to tell, um, to, to show the impact of ABM. Um, so I don't know if there's like a one fit all kind of answer here. But um, yeah, we, um, we use a number of different metrics to kind of tell that, that story of, of success.
0: That's great. All right, so I know we're running out of time. So there are a bunch of questions that I didn't get to. Um so fo- and a lot of some of them are from Peak some are not both Jen and Amber and the Peak community. So if you are in it, they will just tag them and they will respond to them. They do this uh, bi-weekly jam sessions too. There are two takeaways from me and then I want both of you to end with what can people do to set their 2021 ABM campaign in motion? What can? What is the one piece of advice or something that you can do? Because right now, everybody's doing that. Right now, everybody's setting it up. I'm sure you both are trying to think through for what you want to do in Q1 or not. So just share one piece of advice that you can share. So here are my two takeaways as you think about it. Number one, since ABM is a strategy, it's not going to work if you only have marketing tools or tactics or strategies and things working if you don't have sales behind the pole Many things that Jen and Amber pretty much shared went back to the same point, which might be boring to some people now, but it's ultimately the most important point is to get your sales fully bought into it. If they're not bought into it, I don't care how great your marketing or how smart you are. It's just not going to work. We've just seen it many times over. So figure out, start small, figure out what, what that means, but figure out that buying. The second thing, and I think Amber, you specifically shared that was about the phased approach. like. Go and create a phase approach for your your ABM program. I think that is part that a lot of people are not thinking about. They look at it as that, well, I need to do everything all at the same time. And that's where people get overwhelmed. Uh, I remember uh, Tori, who's also in our B community, who said like, you really don't need to do all of these campaigns at the same time. Like, stick with the smallest possible thing to see if there's a heartbeat and a movement and then start adding on to it as you get more engagement. So I think the phase approach is really interesting. And then Jen, you mentioned about that, look, the metrics are ever evolving in terms of how you report back and what works and what doesn't. But I think you made a great point is that you have to be very vigilant at communicating what's working, what's not all the time. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are just waiting for like, let me just have this great success and then share everything to everybody. It's actually, if you're doing ABM right, You're probably sharing success on a daily basis or improvement or changes on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with your sales team. Not through a dashboard or a presentation, but as part of your normal process. Uh, And I bet you both probably talk to your sales team uh, almost every day, if not multiple times a week, because that's how it will work. So those are my big takeaways. We'll have a recap in the video in the peak community for people to watch too. So Amber, starting with you, and then Jen, I'll let you have the last word. On what can people do for 2021 to set their ABM program the right way?
1: Okay, I wrote down several, so I'll try and quick fire. Um, I think one great kind of piece of advice I took, I needed mean, to take myself, was to trust in the strategy and to not let yourself be influenced by the needs and desires of people, you know, across the organization or in sales. is, is trust in the ABM strategy and know that you know. You will get there. Um, Enablement plan. Um, Planning out something to enable your sales team. So thinking in advance of how you can enable your sales team will set you up for success. Um, Favorite of mine is set up your goals around the company objectives and goals. So setting up campaigns or plans around what your company's plans are for the next year. If you're trying to sell a certain product at a certain number, then you should be building around that rather than testing and, and trying You know necessarily... Um, random things, you know, test and, and be creative. But at the, end of the, at the end of the line, it's that company goal. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I got.
2: Yeah.
0: I love that. Jen, before you just, I just want to double click on that one. I hope everybody took that as a big item to write down. Align it to the company goals. I think a lot of AVM programs and folks, people, they get a super excited. Hey, we're going to change the world. And they go and announce to the world, we're going to do ABM. And none of it aligns with the company goal. And then you have this like, well, ABM failed. Now, that's a problem.
1: That's where I have had failure. Because uh, we talked about failure is not aligning to, you know, company goals.
0: Uh, that's great. Well, Jen, maybe you can share your failure. And then also one thing uh, people can do for 2021.
2: Yeah, I think um, I would second that to Amber. If you're not, like I mentioned earlier, um, if you're not speaking to the various audiences that you're you're trying to report up to, and kind of their love language or the the, the metrics that they want to see, or how it's really going to impact their lives at the end of the day, um, your your program and your strategy and whatever results you do have to share are going to kind of fall on deaf ears, right? So, um, I think understanding your audience, understanding how to communicate the success across the board, and then Um, I think in terms of setting yourself up for success in 2021, um, you're just starting out, consider a pilot program, test out ABM and enabling your sales team with a small group, get them pumped up, build that internal advocacy, because once they start to see success, everyone else is going to want to get their hands on it and really, you know, um, come on board and, and help you out as a marketer as well. And so you'll have more of that alignment when you have, that kind of peer-to-peer recommendation and and, um, anecdotal evidence to to kind of share across the teams. And when I think second to that, not only reporting on success that you have with the strategies and campaigns that you have in place, but reporting on the sales success too. And sharing those wins across the board, I think is huge um, when you're trying to implement and drive an ABM strategy across an organization, no matter how big or small it is. Um, because I think when, you know, at the end of the day, when, when, when we all win, we win together. Um, and ABM is about bringing in that, that team collaborative dynamic um, to the table. So um, making sure that you're, again, letting sales celebrate those wins they get with the ABM programs that you have in place and sharing that across the organization.
0: I love that. Celebrate the success on a on a daily, right, weekly basis with your team, not waiting for that one day when you will see a metric. And stuff. So, I think it's so critical. So Jen, Amber, you're rock stars, you're winners of multiple ABM awards, you're changing the way marketing is actually done. Uh, and you're inspiring a ton of people out there in the world today to do better marketing. So I thank you for that. I appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing so openly your tech stack, your strategies, what you failed, what didn't work. Um, I'll ask everybody to to find a way to connect with these folks. They're very generous with, with their ability to share how they do what they do. Um, and let's, uh, let's hit it off 2021 with great success. So thank you so much, both of you.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: <laughs> You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.